0: Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host Daniel off C70 the Bat at C70 on Twitter. With me always David Jones from IPOP Editor. On well, it's Twitter for today. It's what's supposed to be X tomorrow. I don't know. Nobody's ever gonna call it that. Um, this David. Speaking of things, we I don't know. I can't even make that a segue. Never. I don't. I don't even know where to go with that. But that's let's. <laughs> I was trying and it just it didn't it didn't happen. So let's talk about the fact that the Cardinals. Have had a week, they've had a week that, uh, you know, last week when we talked, they had just won two of three from the nationals. They go and sweep the Marlins, they win the first game in Wrigley, and the second game, they have a rally going. And then Ron Culpa decides to take some, some issues out on Alec Pearlson, and it seems like that was it, right? That was that was the momentum. Have you ever seen? momentum shift like so consistently from one certain point in time
1: you know i've said many times that it annoys me when people get on social media and complain about referees or complain about umpires mm-hmm. now you being in sec country i'm sure you see this a lot because i i hear mm. that as well that people will blame a loss on the refs people will their team will lose 52 to 3 and and they will blame the loss on the referees being one side and slanted it. So it annoys me. Cause my thing is always like, you never hear someone say, man, the refs are really on our side this week. Like it would, you would, yeah. it would have to even itself out, but everybody's against the refs. So I hate it when people blame refs or umpires for a loss. But that being said, <laughs> uh, Ron Culpa really coupled, coupled that up. I'm turning that into a verb. I can't even say it. So maybe it's not going to work, but, yeah, that game, it wasn't lost solely on his terrible call, but it sure played a major role. I mean, maybe you want to give him 50% of the blame. I mean, you're thinking worst case scenario, the Cardinals are tied coming out of that inning. But right. what's probably what you're looking at is bases loaded, one out, tie game, and all you need is a sack fly or potentially another walk to give the Cardinals the lead. So that was a major, major turning point. And I, I was furious at the time. You know, I don't want to blame it on him, but there's a lot of blame that needs to go there. Now, the people that are saying that he either hates the Cardinals or he was betting on the game or things like that <laughs> come on. I don't know if people know this, but Ron Culpa is from St. Louis. Uh, he went to Hazelwood Central High School, he went to Missouri Baptist College. Uh, the guy is a St. Louis native. I don't think he's actively working against the Cardinals. He is not a sleeper well, agent for the Chicago Cubs. Uh, he just made a really I think that bad just shows call. that he.
0: Well, he's just obviously trying to overcompensate to make sure nobody <laughs> thinks that he's going to be a Cardinal fan by making egregious calls against them. Exactly. Uh, and people
1: have accused um, Joe Buck of being that way, that he's mm-hmm. uh, tried to overcompensate by being anti-Cardinals. And so, yeah, that gets out there, too. But, you know, yeah, that was a major turning point, And it seemed like it killed the momentum right there in that very moment. Now, I will say this. I put a lot of that loss on Culpa for that game, but it is not on him for what happened the next two games. Right, The team has to bounce back from that. They have to be strong. And what we saw was basically the team we've seen the whole season, not this team that we've seen the last week. And so very disappointing bounce back. You hope the team's fired up and they come out ready just to hit and smash and everything, but got a rain delay. Montgomery got in trouble early. Things just did not go well in the next two games. And so here we sit and it feels like the positive never even happened.
0: A little bit. And, and to be fair, the Cardinals didn't have a little bit of a, of, you know, they got behind early on Saturday and, and rallied uh, back, but you know, for whatever reason, probably because there just weren't arms available. Um, all they went was Zach Thompson and, you know, Thompson has, has been mismanaged. I think it's fairly safe to say that, right? I, I, I wonder if John Mozeliak wouldn't have said that to you, wonder what this bullpen would have looked like if they just left him alone instead of sending him down to Memphis to be a starter. Um, had a good first appearance after, you know, a month of sitting on the bench, um, but obviously, you know, still has issues. And um, that kind of led to Saturday's loss. And then today, yeah, you, you hope that Jordan Montgomery comes out and pitches well, if nothing else, because you don't want to affect the trade value. Um, so yeah, I, I think that what if, if we, if you record this, uh, Alex and I recorded Friday night for me, mutual and at Friday night, even though you had that one loss, you're still having this argument of do the Cardinals really need to be selling? Are they kind of turning the corner? Is it finally happening? I don't think we have that argument now, right? <laughs> I don't think anybody is now saying, man, they should just push on and go for it. I think everybody's like, all right, bring out bring out the, the tags and, and, and let the garage sale start.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it was Ben Fredrickson that tweeted out that the Cubs may have actually done Cardinals fans a favor by killing the hope. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like looking at it that way. You know, I... I Even though I felt like realistically the season was over, I was enjoying that little ride there for a little bit and hopeful that they'd get back in. But I don't think this changes plans. I think if they won every game at Wrigley this weekend, that it wouldn't change their plans. Uh, You and I had a conversation just over um, texting this week, wondering if this team could even still be competitive after a sell-off, which probably not probable. If you're losing Montgomery, you're losing Flaherty, probably losing Hicks, uh, Stratton you're probably not going to be as competitive, but if they would make one of those major trades and bring in an arm that's supposed to be a mid rotation, number two guy possibly for years to come, maybe that gives you the spark you need. Maybe bringing up. Mason win at some point does, but all that being said, uh, no, I don't think this changes anything w- rather, whether they won this weekend or do what they did. Um, I think the great sell-off is coming. Uh, so, whether people are looking forward to that or actually saddened about that, uh, it's going to happen one way or the other.
0: And if you want a harbinger of that, um, the fact that the Cardinals for the second time this year have Taylor Motter on their, on their major league roster after DFA um him, that may just tell you all you need to know about where this team is headed.
1: Yeah. you know i i saw the tweet today and or yesterday whenever it was made and i think i think it was from katie Wu, and i actually had to check to make sure that i was not seeing a tweet from several months ago that someone had just retweeted or something just playing a joke but no it it was legit that modder is back and supposed to infuse the offense and that's where we are uh Cardinals got a lot of guys that are banged up at this point. Uh, Edmund Donovan, you know, uh, there Contreras guys, just not having a clean bill of health. And so this is where we are. And I, I don't think this is part of the tanking philosophy, but uh, you know, it, it, it may help in
0: that matter. I mean, I, you know, if you're thinking that Taylor modern is going to come up and help the offense, maybe, maybe. So I just, I have seen a player be DFA'd and then maybe later in the season come back up. I think we saw that with, man, I don't remember who recently, one of the bullpen arms, though, that, you know, got DFA, cleared, went back to Memphis, got back added to the 40 man roster. Might have been even Cody Whitley, actually, who has now been released completely from the system. But, you know, for somebody to do that twice, at least it's not, you know, in back to back, back to back moves like it was last time, but it's still. A little bit, a little bit weird, um, and I just wanted to acknowledge that. But obviously, you're right. There are there are bigger, bigger problems on this team than Taylor Motter being brought back up. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it says, though, about this about this team. I think it's just so. I don't. know. I mean, it's pretty much what we said all year, right? We just don't know about this team. It's it's a team that shouldn't be this bad, and yet here we are going into this last 10 days or less than that, eight days now, until the trading deadline, you know, and we're not sure how many people are going to be shipped out, but there could be, I mean, you're you're talking about, what, six, seven players that could be gone? That's a pretty good chunk of your roster uh, to turn over uh, going into August.
1: Yeah, you know, let's let's play a fun game. I, I let's play an over under game on that. Where, where's where's your number at? If we said let's put since you said six or seven, let's put it at six point five players that are going to be traded um, from. Well, should we, should we say from the forty man? Six point
0: five. Are you taking the over or under on that? I think I'm taking the I think I'm taking the under, but not by much. I do think Montgomery, Flaherty, Stratton, Hicks. Are all pretty pretty good to go. Probably Tyler O'Neill, maybe then Paul DeYoung. So that's your six. So that slides you just under that mark. Um, I'm not sure that I expect. If you're talking, yeah, I mean, like a, a Yepes might go, but he's not on the 26th man. Um, I don't know that I expect anybody. I could see somebody else, but I don't think I expect anybody else. What about you? I'm going to take
1: the under because I think that this is going to be a little more conservative than some people might think. I think we're going to see, I think the return is not going to be what people are going to expect. I don't think the Cardinals are going to get their number two or number three starter from this. Mm-hmm. Now maybe they get their number two or number three starter three years down the road from this, but I don't think you're going to get a Gilbert type. Uh, Max Scherzer's not showing up or anything like that. So, I, I don't think we see Donovan go. I don't think we see Edmund go at this point. Uh, so I'm going to take the six. I'm going to take the under, because I think you see Montgomery, Flaherty, DeYoung, Hicks, Stratton. Um, who am I missing there? Um, That's about right. And then, yeah, and and, and and maybe we see one other go. Now, if if they want to go big and maybe we see... Donovan go and maybe we. Oh, I, I didn't mention the outfielders. Um, that's going to be you know O'Neill Carlson. That's going to be the iffy point right there. I mm-hmm. I tend to think they're going to keep O'Neill. Um, my thought is that right now I think Tyler O'Neill's trade value is pretty close to rock bottom because of his injuries. I think the Cardinals are not just showcasing him for the trade deadline. I think they're showcasing him for the rest of the season to try to make a trade in the off season. I think Carlson is more likely to go because of the way things have been going on. So I think one of those two has a chance to go. So that's where I'm going to put it at six. I think that's about right where it is, unless we see some blockbuster come through. Um, I know Bob Nightingale mentioned that Wilson Contreras is on the block. And if Bob Nightingale says it, it means it's not happening. Exactly. So um,
0: I don't put much stock there either. So yeah, I'll put it at a comfortable six. I do think that there's an argument that's been made, and I think is a very strong argument that you know we're talking about Tyler O'Neill getting show, you know, playing as, as some people would say to showcase him for the trade deadline, right? If you think, and I mean you in the general, not just you specifically. Um, that Dylan Carlson's the one that's being traded, why are they not playing Dylan Carlson, right? I mean, because that's just, you've got a guy on the bench It cannot be helping his value at all when it's a guy that's saying, uh, oh yeah, this is a guy we don't even believe in at all anymore. Please give us something for him. Um, You know, I don't, Mo has said, again, take it for what it's worth, that they're not giving away people. It seems very difficult to trade a guy that you have to some degree, jerked around as much as Dylan Carlson and get the value that you probably should for an outfielder that's 24 years old.
1: Yeah, and you're not the first person that's mentioned that to me, and I think that's a great point. My only thought would possibly be that they either already have the bare bones framework in place for a Dylan Carlson deal and or they know exactly what his value is from a couple teams. And so maybe it's more of, yes, the framework's there. And this is a thing about, we know he's not going to be the future of this team. So we're going to sit him. We also don't want him getting injured before the trade deadline, which I know you can make trades before the deadline. You don't have to wait up until the last hour, mm-hmm. but I do wonder if maybe whether it's the Yankees or, or whoever it is, it maybe be that talks are already there to the point that, um, that they kind of know how things are going to go. Now, that being said, he's he played today. He started today, uh, had mm-hmm. two RBI. He has played some this week, and it's just kind of been an off and on thing. But my guess would be they know exactly what his trade value is, whether he plays or not. And so it's kind of just one of those use them where they think he works best, but also let's make sure he doesn't hurt himself before he goes to another team. Now, I could be completely wrong, and maybe he's in their plans long term. I hope he is. Um, I know I've been accused of being the president of the DC fan club, but, uh, I think that we still have not seen his potential yet. The guy's only 24 years old. People forget that sometimes, like I said at last week, this is the same age 24 is when Matt holiday and Aaron judge made their appearance in major league baseball. This is still pretty young. I think he still has a long way to go and he's going to, he's going to make that jump, but Right now, I just I get the feeling that he's the odd man out and the Cardinals may be shopping him.
0: And it's fair. I think it would not surprise me out of this front office if they don't move any of the outfielders, right? Even though it's fairly clear they need to, that they need to clear up some of this backlog, it would not... Surprise me a whole lot if yeah they held on to everybody and, and maybe it's like you said maybe they you know they hold on to these guys and let Tyler O'Neill play and and then try to move him in the off season and that very well may be the case. I would hope that if they don't trade at least one outfielder here that they do something like that this winter because we definitely don't need to go into next season with this kind of backlog. Um, but I could also just see. I, we have such a low expectation of the front office when it comes to trades. Don't we? I mean, because yes, they did the Goldschmidt and yes, they did the Arnado. Although I think Nolan might've done about, <laughs> about as much as, as Mo did on the Arnado trade. But both of those were, you know, those were winter trades and we have not seen a big, I don't think we've seen a big mid season deal since Matt holiday in Oh seven. Right. I mean, there's been some that have shaken things up, the the John Lackey trade or anything like that. But to really, really big deal. I think you might have to go back to Holiday, which is, you know, you're going to, oh what, 09, right? And then McGuire uh, before that, maybe. And McGuire's jockey. Um, so, um, you know, just t- to imagine what they can do when they're trying to bring in talent, when they're trying to market their guys is something totally different. And I think it's very easy to think that, this front office is not going to make the deals that they need to make because that's kind of what we're used to. So hopefully this surprise us. Hopefully they do most of these deals that we think they should do. But I don't know. From Part of me is like until they actually pull the trigger on two or three of these deals or maybe even just one of these deals, I'm not sure I'm going to believe they're actually going to get done.
1: Yeah. And that is a possibility. You know, I've always thought if I could have like, uh, you know, find a genie and I could have like three wishes. One of my wishes would be that I want to be in a draft room for the NFL draft or be in an MLB front office for the trade deadline, because I I really want to know what that actually sounds like. Like what it I want to hear the offers that teams are getting, because it could be the fact the Cardinals just don't get what they think they're going to get maybe for Dylan Carlson. And so maybe they hold on to him. I mean, if Mo doesn't want to give away players, please don't. And I know mm-hmm. if they hold on to some of these guys and hold on to some of these outfields, people are going to be furious that they did that because of the log jam. But at the same time, you don't want to give up one of these guys who's cheap and controllable for a while for nothing. And it's, we just, we won't really know. Sometimes things can kind of leak out a little bit. And Derek Gould is really good about getting that information out there when it's available, but that is a possibility. And I think the other part of this is I hesitate how even how to say this. I think people for the most part need to prepare to be underwhelmed for what the return Mm -hmm. is for these guys, because this is not like it was five years ago where you could send a rental pitcher off Mm -hmm. and you could pick up two guys in the top 100 on baseball America's list uh we're not we're not there anymore teams are they are just not paying for rental pitchers like they used to if you you know there may be some exceptions you know you get a Max Scherzer in there or which of course Scherzer that had to be Scherzer and Trey Turner in that deal together um a guy mm-hmm. like Juan Soto who has some years to his contract is going to bring a huge return but while Montgomery and while Flaherty and while Hicks may be at the top of their positions and i know uh i think MLB said that Paul DeYoung is the top shortstop available. They're likely not going to bring back these top prospects, these guys who are just heralded as being the best. They might bring back an organization's number three and their number eight and maybe their number 16. But I think what's going to happen is when we see these trades made on paper, the first thought for a lot of people is going to be, that's it. That's all Mo could get. And people are going to start complaining, like, he could have gotten more if he would just ask for more, if he would have held out for more, talked to other teams. What we don't know is that the Cardinals may have had these eyes, had eyes on these guys, or Randy Flores may have had eyes on this guy and say, this guy may be ranked sixth in the Dodgers system, but he's going to be a number three guy in the rotation very, very soon. So I say all that to say, if people feel very underwhelmed, and maybe, maybe they don't, maybe that's not going to happen. If people feel very underwhelmed, also stay patient. Because two years from now, things may look a whole lot different uh, with some of these guys. But don't expect to be getting a top 10 prospect in, in all of baseball for, for Jack Flaherty.
0: I, I believe all that. And I think you're absolutely right on that. The only caveat I would mention is it feels like, like I don't know, it doesn't sound like the Padres are necessarily going to sell. Although they, maybe they put Blake Snell on the market. Um, I don't know that the Mets are going to sell it. Even a uh, Verlander or Scherzer, given the way they've pitched this year and the contract, I mean, depending on how that situation might not bring us back. It feels like St. Louis has the best, especially overall, wares on the market, if you will. Um, and, you know, if you can get a couple teams bidding against each other or a team that gets desperate for a Montgomery thinking that that's gonna make the difference, then you know, then maybe you get something a little bit better. Again, I don't think you're right. You're not getting the team's top prospect or two of their top five or anything like that. But you might be able to bring back a little bit more than we're expecting if the market you know, if there's just nobody else out there, uh, and teams really need to really need to shore up their pitching before they get into the postseason or need that closer at the end of the at the end of the game um i think it's gonna be very interesting i think you're right though i mean and, and that's part of the deal too you know when prospects are coming back for most of us i mean we're not most of us aren't kyle reese or uh, blake newberry or anybody that has a real pulse on not only cardinal minor league system but other teams minor league systems and so when you're getting back unproven talent then yeah i think it's it's really easy to say man we should have yeah if you start looking at the numbers next to the prospect name, it's really easy to say, "Yeah, we didn't. We'd like to have more." But uh, you know, and I asked Alex this on, on usual. I'll ask you the same. What would for you um, make up a successful trading deadline when when August first comes around? What do you need to see on the Cardinals or from the Cardinals that you can say? They did a good job. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, for one, you, you know, there's the whole prisoner of the moment reaction where right away I'm going to have that gut reaction of great trade or this was terrible. or And then I'm you know, going to feel like I need to defend myself against everybody else saying the opposite. Probably in situations like this, unless it ends up being a big trade with like, you know, they're throwing Donovan in there for somebody that's already established as a starter and stuff like that. I'm probably not gonna have a clue. It's probably gonna take me some time to make an opinion. Now, last year when the Harrison Bader trade was made, I saw Jordan Montgomery come up. And I'll be honest, I've heard the name, but my first thought was I need to go to baseball reference and look at this guy's mm-hmm. numbers because I have absolutely no idea what he's been doing. And I looked at his numbers and went, Oh, okay, yeah, that's actually a pretty good, pretty good deal there. Okay. I like this. This looks good. So I think it's gonna be I don't I think it's gonna to be tough to have an initial reaction, you know, unless you're like a guy like Jim Callis or Keith law, who knows who a lot of these guys are. um, Mm -hmm. It's going to take some digging and some research. Something else I heard that I thought was really intriguing is that somebody I heard it was like a former front office person saying that you have to be careful about trusting some of these top 30 prospect lists and top 100 lists. Sometimes Uh, the Jordan walkers, the Mason wins. Yes, those are obvious, but they said some teams will actually over promote some of their players to get them higher on the list and then use that as trade bait. Um, Hmm. They know these guys have already maxed out their talent, but they get them to move up the list because it makes trades look better. They said there's other guys that they will actually under promote to keep them lower on a list. um, But they know that these guys are going to be superstars. And they said, every team does this to some extent. And so that's another reason why, if you see that the Cardinals pick up somebody's number 13 prospect, um, don't immediately just think 13 in your head. One thing could be they may not have updated their website in three or four months or something, and they haven't done their midseason rankings. Uh, but you, you would think like a guy like Zach gallon, I think gallon was ranked about maybe 20th in the organization or so when Miami made that trade. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm going to want to have opinions immediately when these trades are made, but I, I don't know how I will say if it's successful or not. Now, if they make a trade for Montgomery or Flaherty and the return is what they got for Henesis Cabrera. Yeah. I'm going to be a little disappointed with that. Um, if it's, you know, a 19 year old playing rookie ball or something like that. Yeah. That's going to seem very underwhelming, but if it's, you know, if they're getting a multiple prospects or some major league ready guys who may be in the top 15 of an organization and, um, they've got some pretty good numbers then. Okay, sure. Let's see it out. But, you know, I, I don't I, I try to keep tabs on other organizations and their minor league clubs to be ready for moments like this. But I think it's going to be one of those. that, Yeah, it's going to have to kind of be a little bit of a wait and see period. Um, I know you've kind of got your uh, your finger and your pulse on things a little bit more than I do. So what would it what's what's it going to take for you to actually feel like, yes, they pulled this off. This is what they needed to do. They're on the right track.
0: Yeah, you say that to the person hasn't watched, but like one game all year. So I don't know. I don't know if that's right. No, I think for me, I want to see. I want to see them bring in pitching, whether it's AAA pitching, Major League pitching, or you know something that's at least going to be contending for rotation next year. And I want to see I either you know good strikeout per nine or strikeout to walk ratio, or something that shows that this philosophy of swing and miss that they're talking about. Is something that they're actually going to actively go out yet. Um, you know, if they bring back some sort of equivalent to Dakota Hudson, then they haven't learned their lesson. Um, if they bring something like, you know, a, a, even a Stephen Matz, probably we're going down that same road. But if they can bring in a guy that's, you know, uh, or a handful of guys, even at, like I said, even at AAA, maybe some at AA that look like that might be ready to move up so that they could be ready sometime in 24 um, with, you know, nine or 10 K per nine or, or something like that. Then I, I think, you know, just just for a rule of thumb, that's where I'm thinking that maybe they've been successful. Um, you know, I, And I I think the Cabrera trade is an interesting one to go first because, you know, Mo comes out on Monday and of course, you know, we haven't even really talked about the the Cabrera getting designated for assignment because he wanted to pitch better pitch more, pitch higher innings, uh, even though he was being terrible in the innings he was pitching. Um But the fact that the Cardinals were able to basically just, you know, flat out dump him, and still get back a, a a guy that you know, one of the Blue Jay minor league guys reached out and said they they liked that guy. They didn't miss it. they thought he had a chance to, you know, kind of climb the ladder. That's a guy that you know he's not going to be a catcher next year. He's nineteen, but he has a chance to at least be a backup catcher in the major leagues. Uh, you know, maybe not a super duper chance, but nobody at APOL has a super duper chance, right? You get it's kind of a lottery ticket, and we've seen you know the Juan Yepes type, you know, kind of pan out. If you can get that for a guy that's going to hit the free agent market in like two days, you know, is that does is that a sign that this market's pretty tight, or you know that they're really you know there's people beating the bushes for talent, and if that's the case, that could only be to Saint Louis's benefit.
1: Yeah. The best thing that can happen for the Cardinals right now is for any team that's anywhere somewhat close to the wild card or their division Mm -hmm. to win this week. You want the Angels to stay in contention. You want the Yankees to stay in contention uh, because that helps if Otani is off the board. Well, then that bumps up the Cardinals guys. Uh, You know, I don't want anybody to get injured, but Bieber going on the IL that probably helps out the Cardinals a little bit there. Uh, So If the market is scarce, if you don't have many sellers and you have tons of buyers, then yes, that does up the price. And, you know, today, the way things are with social media, with the games being broadcast on everything, the Cardinals' front office, uh, their scouts, they know every guy in every system. And so I I don't think the Cabrera deal, I don't find that, I don't think that was a throwaway by any standard. I, I, you know, I think it seems like the Cardinals, in some respects, were let it willing to let it be that way. But I I think they knew that they were going to get a return for Cabrera, whatever it may be. And so, yeah, you get a a, a guy that was just drafted last year who has some potential. Sure, why not? Why not take a flyer? You know, the Yepes thing's a good example. Uh, I think he was like 17 when the Cardinals traded Matt Adams mm-hmm. for him. He wasn't even on the radar, wasn't in the top 30 of any organization. And, you know, now we see he's kind of been that, that tweener that between in between triple a and the majors, but he's actually been a serviceable player. So that's what I'm hoping what, what you've said. I really hope that's what happens that the market gets a little bit tight and the asking prices can go up and teams are being forced to meet it. Uh, now, some teams like the Dodgers seem to be very stingy when it comes to letting their prospects go, even though they have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But you have other organizations like Baltimore that they've got so many prospects and they've got log jams among their prospects because they've been so bad for so long uh, that they've got guys that they can trade away right now and it's really not going to hurt them because they've got other guys that can come in and fill that position. And so you hope that maybe they're just a little more liberal with with their trades and how they do it. And, you know, a, a good old bidding war is not a bad thing if guys really want your players.
0: Yeah, and again, I think we have to... And I think it's fair to ask, you know, how is the, is the front office up for this? Are they able to maximize the return for these guys when they, it's a situation they've not been in before. So we will see. I I hope so. I think that, you know, there's, if, even if they don't maximize all this, there's a good chance they can improve this, this organization. I wouldn't say they can improve this team necessarily. But, you know, they could be back at it. And, you know, they're going to have to, we know they, and they know they're going to have to do some work this, this uh, winter. But I don't think this team is that far away. Um, you know, going into this weekend, I think it was, I don't remember when I looked it up, but since May 1st, you know, they were a game, I guess maybe now, maybe two games under 500, which isn't great, but you can get a lot you don't have to make quite as much of a jump as you do when it's a team that's 12 games under 500, as as we see for the whole season. If you kind of, I don't want, you can't really just write off April, but in some ways you just kind of say, okay, we dug ourselves a hole. We're never able to get out of, but we're really not that bad of a team. And so I think they can be competitive at 24, but they need to be proactive here at the deadline. And then again, this winter.
1: Yeah. And, you know, just thinking about the returns again, I, Mm-hmm. I, I want it to be guys that we look at and we get excited about. That we can, yeah. we look at their numbers, whether it's double AA, A, triple A, whatever they're at, and go, you know, this guy has an amazing fastball. This guy has an amazing curveball. This guy has a four pitch arsenal. This will translate to the big leagues, or or maybe he hasn't put it together yet. But once he does, this guy will be great. I, I don't think. <laughs> uh, preface that I don't think we're gonna see like a 2019 trade where. Jed Jerko gets traded and the return is Tony Singrani. I don't know if you remember how great Tony Singrani was for the Cardinals.
0: I never, Um, I never got, never got
1: hit. It was amazing. That's right. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Finished as a Cardinals at 0.00 ERA. Uh, Pretty amazing. I I don't think we're going to see trades like that. Now, if we do, yeah, that's going to be disappointing. If the Cardinals are Mm -hmm. bringing back just money, you know, just something like that. Um, And maybe that does happen for one or two guys. But I want to see some of those trades, some young players that we can say we are excited about this guy's potential. No, he may not be a top 100 player, but you know, Brendan Donovan wasn't a top 100 player, but the Cardinals know who their guys are, who can actually make that jump. And so they need to find guys that fit the system. You look at the Padres right now, they just threw a bunch of money at the best players and it's not working something Mm. is off there, but the Cardinals typically have done a good job of finding those guys. You know, the guys like Matt Carpenter who fit the role that they're looking for. And so hopefully those guys are out there, both pitchers and hitters that they can find. I I do anticipate that we may see a, maybe a trade or two that brings back that old crusty veteran to pitch just because the Cardinals need somebody to throw innings. But I I hopefully that's the exception and that's not the rule that may just be out of necessity to fill innings. Uh, They've kind of already done that with some of the Memphis additions who are almost my age, which is a little scary. Uh, But yeah, I I just want to see some of these younger players come over that we can say, yeah, we're excited about this guy. We may not see him this year. It may be second half of next year, but we think we've got somebody good who's going to lead this team.
0: The guys, the guys being added are your age is scary. Imagine if they were my age. Um, <laughs> well, I think one of those you know. is coming back for the Cardinals tomorrow. <laughs> well, I, 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 as much as, uh, as much as Adam is, uh, an aged veteran in the baseball world, he's still got a few years to catch up with me, unfortunately. <laughs> so, uh, and that does transition us into that. Adam Wainwright, no rehab, no anything. He threw some live batting practice to the team, I think, um, and now is starting tomorrow. How much of that is one? Apparently, the cortisone shots worked, and why he didn't—I know he didn't necessarily know what he was—you know, kind of not wanting to give into it. But wish he'd done that earlier. So apparently, he's looking good. But how much of that is a factor of the season's not going anywhere, and that just gives him more chances for two hundred.
1: I think it's a huge part of it. I, I think if the Cardinals are in first place or they're, they're close to first place or fighting for it, that he probably does a rehab assignment first. And we're talking about this trade deadline in a much different way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think this is a kind of a, I mean, sure. Why not? And, you know, at this point, good. I, 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 I hope he goes out there. I hope we see the picture that we saw last year. Um, maybe we'll see a throwback. I, I hope we do. I really hope we do. And I hope he gets 200 wins and I hope he keeps climbing. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I'll be rooting for him. So, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that's kind of, they're not throwing in the towel, but I think it's kind of like,
0: yeah, why wouldn't we throw them out there? Yeah. I, I was a little bit surprised that that's, that's they went straight to that. I'll, um, But yeah, it makes sense. And if, if Wainwright is, and again, that's, it's Adam Wainwright and we've talked about how much we love Adam Wainwright, but we also know that what Adam Wainwright says, I'm feeling good, doesn't necessarily mean he's feeling good. Um, when Adam Wainwright says, I'm getting life on my pitches, that doesn't necessarily mean he's getting life on his pitches. So it's until we see it, it's hard to know because Wainwright thinks the best of his stuff all the time. And that's fair. I mean, that's what you want as uh, an athlete. You've got to have that kind of mindset. But until we see him go out there and do it, um, it's, you know, it's hard to believe it. Now, if he does, though, I mean, that's, a, that's nice, right? I mean, because if we've talked about, you know, you've got to have something to root for or to watch or have some reason to watch this team after August 1st, assuming that some of these guys are going to be traded. So having a, I don't want to say resurgent Adam Wainwright, but a, maybe an Adam Wainwright they can have a finish to his career, at least in the ballpark of what Albert Pujols did last year, would at least get you watching every fifth day. Yeah,
1: you know, and people are going to watch no matter what. I think ratings will drop a little bit, but Cardinal fans are pretty loyal. And so why wouldn't you want to watch? You get a chance to watch Wainwright. You're going to get a chance to watch Jordan Walker play probably every day for the rest of the year with occasional off days mason win will probably be up i mean think about that for a second you may have mason Wynn playing shortstop while adam wainwright's pitching jordan walker in the outfield i mean guys that are like half his age uh it, that's kind of a cool thing so you know what it, it's kind of one of those at some point you're like you know what let's just go have fun <laughs> we're so yeah. far out of it and i think they've probably already heard that speech that no one's no one's counting us counting on us you just in some ways you're preparing for next year. And I know with Adam Wainwright, you can't really do that. And with free agents, you can't really do that, but just go out there, just make the most of it to end the year. And, and so be it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's probably fair. And, and we thought we've heard that a little bit from, um, Nolan auto this last week with the Cardinals were winning. It was like, Hey, we're, we're so far down we've just got to, you know, just kind of put it out of mind and go out and have a good time. and, you know that can work um obviously didn't work too much this weekend um but it's at least better than you know being miserable through this whole slog because you know october isn't coming this year or at least not baseball wise for the cardinals and that's that's hard to deal with i I think it's going to be uh a very interesting last couple months and and to have things to to grab onto, whether it's new faces or make some wind or out a win rate or whatever it may be, you gotta have something like that, and so that's a, a good deal. Um, talking about old faces, though, um, the Cardinals had another addition to the Baseball Hall of Fame today with uh, Nola, uh, Scott Rowland. Pick the right third baseman um, <laughs> going into the Hall of Fame, which does lead to the question that I was about to get to is, I mean, I I assume you saw, maybe you didn't see much of Scott Rowland, um, but if you did, how do you compare him and Nolan Arenado?
1: Yeah, thankfully <laughs> I lived in St. Louis for. Most of my life, and so I, I the, when the trade happened, I was ecstatic. I, I thought it was he was one of my favorite players. It a lot of parallels to Nolan Arenado, one of my favorite players who didn't play for the Cardinals. When the trade happened, I could not believe that the Cardinals were actually getting him for what they got for him. You know, another one of those trades mm. that you will not see today, right? Uh, except for Nolan Arnato oddly enough. <laughs> but I was so ecstatic, and so to watch him play every day was just a joy. Uh, the guy his defense. It's like he attacked the baseball. Uh, he, he played it so well. And I can remember when I was in high school, Andy Bennis came and spoke at my church and there were, there was a Q and a session and and he answered everybody's questions, but someone asked him about Scott Rowland, And he said, when I bring my boys to the ballpark, uh, I tell them to watch Scott Roland from start to finish. He said watch the way he goes about his business off the field. Watch the way he goes about his business when he's taking grounders uh, before the game. Watch the way he just handles himself during the game. He said, I want my kids to follow in his footsteps. And this was a major league baseball player saying this. But he said, I want my kids to follow in his footsteps and watch how he does everything at such a professional level. He said, when you watch the way he handles himself, you can see why he's such a great player. Player. And that has stuck with me. And um, it's it was just a joy to watch him play third base. I can remember there was a game where they I think they clinched the central I, or maybe they clinched a playoff spot. I can't remember for sure. But there was like a it was a line drive down the third base line, And he dove and made this like tumbling catch into foul territory. Just one of the most amazing catches I've seen. Uh, and he did that stuff all the time. And it's it's almost like we cloned him. And Nolan Arenado is, is his clone that's, that's playing. I, I do think I'd give the edge to Scott Roland a little bit when it comes to defense. Now ask me again in two or three years, and that may change. Um, I think Roland was an overall just better player, but it's, I mean, you're kind of, it's apples. I don't want to say apples and oranges, but they're, they're kind of different players in different eras. Um, and so you can't go wrong with either one of them, but it's, Cardinal fans have been spoiled by having two amazing third basemen playing there, and you know maybe three if you want to throw in Gary Gaetti. I think he was quite the defensive specialist too. But uh, I
0: mean, yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's amazing how often you hear Gary Gaetti's name in this conversation as well. Uh, But yeah, Um, but yeah,
1: two two incredible third basemen. But yeah, Roland, well deserved of him getting in the Hall of Fame. Um, Just just an amazing career. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was it was. It was great to to watch him on a regular basis. I think that I, I mentioned this on Twitter uh, today somebody else asked a similar question to me, boy I, I think that Roland Roland could have been better at all the plays you expect to be see made. I mean, I don't know how many times I saw yeah you know, we saw him throw from his backside uh, from third base to get the runner first I mean he was he was incredible, but I think Nolan as I called it, he made me more the jazz musician because he makes plays we don't see coming, right? The throw home when nobody else would throw it home. The They try to get the guy at second on the bunt, those kind of things. And it, I don't know that that makes him better than Scott Rowland at all. But I just think, you know, like you said, their games were, for the fact that they were both remarkable with gloves, their games are enough different that you can say one was the best at one way one might've been the best in another way is, you know, it would have been fascinating to watch them at the same time and, and really get a, a comparison because, you know, yeah, Scott Rollins playing on, you know, a lot more AstroTurf and, and you know, without the shift and um, things of that nature. But man, it, I, it's hard. It's really hard. And like you said, it's been really a lot of fun to watch both those guys.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of Adam Wainwright, you, you know, who was playing third base for Adam Wainwright's first ever game that he pitched? got Rowland, most likely actually no it wasn't i just looked okay <laughs> it was abraham nunez and john mabry played there a little bit too that game which is very yeah weird.
0: i mean so. i mean <laughs> when you add those two guys up you get pretty close to scott yeah i thought so. for sure i was like
1: it had to be Roland playing nope not that game cardinals lost 7-2 yeah. to the mets um lost to pedro martinez but uh makes people probably feel old there matt morris versus pedro martinez um yeah. yeah yeah but yeah john mabry was playing third base that game for a little bit so uh i think we've gotten a little better since then i i don't wow. know if roland was on the the il or if he was just having an off game
0: i probably uh, didn't want to fight pedro martinez that could be true yes yeah uh although it, it, it that is one of the downsides right of, of scott roland's time in st louis was that he did wind up getting injured and to be fair i mean that the injuries that he had were significant enough that that's what kept him out of the hall of fame for so long um you know without running into alex cintron in the in the playoffs in what 20 in 2001 i, I would not have been one who 2002 would that have been was it two yeah um and then the the, you know, the heaps of joy play at first base um you know those kind of things that really affected him um you know he got in anyway thankfully but I think if he's healthy, especially with his time in St. Louis, um, I don't think it would have been close after, you know, we wouldn't be having this argument that some people are still having this Scott role and shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, he's one of those guys that probably deserves to be in for his defense alone. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he, his <laughs> he's a great <laughs> offensive player too. Uh, one of my favorite players of all time. Um But yeah, to me, he's been, he's always been a no doubter Hall of Famer. Um, You know, there's all that issue about, does a guy deserve to be first ballot, second ballot, third ballot? Should we wait 10 years? Should we have another committee Mm -hmm. vote him in? Uh, It doesn't matter. Scott Rowland is a Hall of Famer. He deserves to be a Hall of Famer. And I'm very happy for both him and the crime dog for getting in.
0: Yeah. Yep. Very, very cool. uh, All the way around. So, we wrap this up we'll tie it back to what we said at the beginning of the show this is a week that could be pretty decisive for the Cardinals it could also be a week that is kind of quiet although it feels like if the Cardinals haven't made a move by this time next week man those last couple days are going to be jam packed but if you were to say one person that will not be a Cardinal when we record next week who are you saying Taylor Motter or you meant trades. Oh, I don't guarantee. I mean, even if he's not, he he'll only come back. Be. I, I was, mean... Yeah, I was going to say,
1: he may yeah. be at the airport with no team affiliation, but by the time he gets to his door, he'll have signed another contract. Yeah. That's um, right. Oh, that's a great question. Because So picking one, I am... Hmm. Let's see. I'm going to say... Man, that's a really great question. I'm going to say Jordan Montgomery. Oh, even though I think pitchers will go the last day. I'm going to say Jordan Montgomery because I think a team is going to want him before he pitches again. Um, but otherwise, I would say Paul DeYoung is my number one. What about you?
0: My first one is, honestly, if I was just to pick one, i pick Chris Stratton. Um, because I think the middle relief type of guy is a guy that could go out easily. Now it's also possible that Stratton gets packaged up with a deal like they did with Quintana and maybe that keeps him around longer. But if for some reason he was going to be sold, you know, one-on-one, then I think that's the kind of guy that you can get that done pretty easily and clear the decks, start looking, you know, give yourself a focus on getting some of the bigger ones done. Um, But I think, I mean, there's argument. I mean, there's after seeing what Jordan Montgomery has done against the Cubs in Wrigley this year, which has been not good. The fact that his next outing is against the Cubs in Bush may give Mo a little bit of impetus to try to get him move before that, that next, you know, the five days from now, right? I mean, does that matter? Do you think? And I really thought we were going to wrap this up, but I do want to talk about this part. Does it matter what players do in this last two weeks? Because, like you said, The teams know who these guys are. They know what's going on. How much does, you know, Jordan Montgomery giving up seven runs today matter to his trade value this week? I think
1: injuries matter a whole lot more than performance Mm -hmm. down the stretch, especially when you got guys knowing that they're on the trade block. I mean, that's, that's not great. I, I, you know, you wonder about Flaherty struggle the other day, him knowing that that might be his last start as a Cardinal. Is that in his head somewhere? Um, So I think health is the bigger issue here, making sure like Montgomery's hamstring is okay. Performance, I don't think is that it's important, but it's not that big of a deal when you're in the last week when you've already put together a full portfolio of what you can do. Um, So I'm not as concerned about that if I'm a GM, uh, unless just something really crazy goes on. Um, You know, a guy, you know, like Rick Ankiel's not able to hit the catcher, then yeah, you've got issues. But otherwise, I don't think that's there. But you did make a good point about packaging guys together, and I think we will. I think the total number of trades will be smaller than people think. We may only yeah. see the Cardinals make three trades, four trades. Because of that, it would not shock me if no one has been traded by the time we record next week, um, because with the trade deadline being on Tuesday instead of Monday, they will have time to make three or four trades fairly easy in those last two days and so yeah i would not be shocked if next week we're hearing rumors but nothing official has come down yet
0: on the flip side of that and i think you're right but on the flip side of that is the technicalities of making trades right the paperwork that has to be done before it gets into the league at what is it three o'clock central or whatever on on tuesday uh any physicals that have to be done which i don't know if they do that before You know, before uh, usually do that before the trade's finalized, right? Uh, at least before free agents, I think Mr. Korea could attest to that. Um, so I, I wonder even with three or four, how you know they could, they could just go rapid fire, boom, 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 and have everything kind of laid out. I, that's, that's very believable. But man, I think if they haven't made a trade by this time next week, I'm going to be really antsy about what's, what they're actually
1: doing. (laughs) Yeah. And you don't want to, you don't want to be trying to up the bidding so much that finally the teams fall out. You don't want, you know, the Oakland made that mistake with Sean Murphy. They thought that they were going to get a haul and basically they turned teams off and had them go the other way and then got not nearly as much back as they expected. We've seen that happen multiple times with teams where they've tried to pit teams against each other uh, for trades and ultimately it's backfired. So I, I think if you're really any team, you know what you want to get. And once you get that, you don't let it linger out there too much longer because I think teams will start looking another way, especially as the clock's ticking down.
0: Right, right. I mean, if, if, and I don't know how much, you know, Moe isn't one of those ones that wants to set the market either, right? Um, if a Blake Snell is available, if a Marcus Stroman's available, um, if a Scherzer Verlander is available, I don't know if Mo holds out Till one of those guys goes before he finalizes a Montgomery deal. Um, but then you run the risk of <laughs> everybody sitting around waiting for somebody to make the first move. Um, so I don't know. I think this it's going to be interesting. It should be a very busy week um, or at least from the rumor side of things, if not <laughs> if not the action side of things. And the Cardinals have to play games. Three games against the uh, the Diamondbacks, four games against the Cubs. Um they kind of seem a little bit secondary to what's going on around them, don't they?
1: Yeah. uh, You wonder how much the team can even focus with what's going on. And uh, Mm -hmm. what's interesting to me too is, let's see, I, I don't think, do they have an off day on the 31st?
0: Do they? I thought they. Had, yeah. yeah okay. No, they have a. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. They do have it all day right before the. Deadline. You know that might be that
1: to me that that might be the day that you see all the trades start coming down, or it could be mm-hmm. while we're actually recording Sunday night because that gets a little easier for travel arrangements, or you're not worrying about putting in a guy in a lineup who might possibly be be going out, or there's that awkwardness in the clubhouse mm-hmm. of a manager not putting a guy in the lineup and a guy wondering how come I'm not playing today. That could just be the day that everything gets done. So. Maybe that's what happens. Um, Who knows? Uh, They'll be at home. That makes things easier for travel and stuff like that for players. Uh, So yeah, Monday may be the big day that everything happens,
0: Um, but we'll see. It's going to be interesting. It would be just like this organization to make moves on Monday when we can't do even do a a proper hug watch. (laughs) I mean, that's just, that's just wrong. I mean, Honestly I have I have missed um the days when the deadline was at midnight at on the 31st. Uh it's always that interesting time of you know yeah what you had games you had people you know might be getting pulled out of games that you were kind of just waiting at the you know there's something about it being late at night that adds to it I think a little bit to me instead of like all of a sudden in the middle of the afternoon oh we're done. Um so we'll see. I mean, at least you are up and there's a lot of flurry on what will be called X um, to during that time. And that that can be fun, but um, it's uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this thing goes. And hopefully we have a lot to talk about next week. If not, we'll talk about Scott Rowland again or something. That works. So yep, yeah, <laughs> always. So until next week for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. See ya. Hey Cardinals fans, thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.